Hi, I'm Yasmin Anwar. Hello, my name is Will Allen. And welcome to the Trainee Insights Podcast, the home of discussions about life as a trainee or junior lawyer at Ropes and Gray in London. Well, we have an introduction about me. I'm a four-seat trainee in our, in our London office, currently sitting in data protection, privacy and cybersecurity. And I've previously sat in our firm's finance, tax and private equity transaction teams. I'm a third-seat trainee, currently sitting in our private equity team. My first seat was in the firm's antitrust team and second seat was in asset management. In this podcast series, we seek to provide you with insights into the culture of our firm and practical advice about how to excel as a trainee or make an application to the firm. The podcast is for everybody who has an interest in building a successful career at the firm's London office. On today's episode, we are joined by the one and only Annie Herdman, a newly joined partner in the antitrust team in London. Annie's practice covers all aspects of EU and UK competition law, representing clients before the European Commission, UK Competition and Markets Authority, and global antitrust regulators. Annie has been recognised by the Legal 500 as a next generation partner and a rising star. Annie was also featured in Management Today's 35 Women Under 35 which celebrates the top 35 female business talent in the UK under the age of 35. Annie, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. It's uh, great to be talking with you both today. Excellent. So let's get into what is coming up on this episode. We'll be speaking to Annie about her journey to the top, balancing work and life in a high-pressured environment, and we will get advice from Annie on how we can hopefully follow in her footsteps to build a successful career. Anna will also be sharing tips on how to stand out as a prospective applicant in a competitive market based on her experiences. So I think without further ado, yeah, should we get into the questions? Yes. So a bit about your background, Annie, if you don't mind. Um, were you someone who developed a passion for law quite early on? So not really. I have to say, I always find it amazing when I hear of people who wanted to be lawyers as children. That certainly wasn't me. I was always um, academic, but my great passions were sort of outside of the classroom. So I loved sports and was quite arty and threw myself into extracurricular activities. And I remember at one point even saying to my parents that I didn't mind what I did when I grew up as long as I didn't work in an office. So um, I actually wanted to be a journalist, but convinced myself that a law degree would open lots of doors. But to be honest, it hadn't really occurred to me that I might end up being a lawyer. But I was in my second year of university at the time of the 2008 crash. And I had been fortunate enough to have been offered training contracts after a series of summer vacation schemes that I would have been mad to turn down. And so I sort of fell into it. Oh, that's really interesting. What was the light bulb moment where you thought, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do? As opposed to, well, for I, example, being your passion as a journalist. Yeah, so I really enjoyed my law degree um, and, and reading law. Um, but I think really when I kind of got my sort of passion for law, if you like, is when I was a four-seat trainee and I was in my antitrust seat and I was flown to Tokyo to interview witnesses and prepare witness statements for a big international cartel investigation. And I ended up drafting submissions to the European Commission and meeting clients and attending um, the offices at the European Commission to advocate on behalf of clients. And I think that's when I really fell in love with it and could see a sort of long-term career in law. Wow, that's an amazing experience as a four-seat trainee. Um, so if you weren't a lawyer, what would you have been then? So I, I would have loved to have read the six o'clock news, <laughs> which, you know, it, it was perhaps not something that you might expect, but, you know, I think it still um, plays into sort of my arty side, I guess, but also my, my interest in 
in current affairs but no if um, if you gave me a chance i'd definitely have a go at reading the six o'clock news um i suppose i, I suppose you sort of already touched on this with your uh, your trip to Tokyo. but were there, were there any other factors that sort of helped solidify um you know your desire to become a, a competition lawyer um you know were there any other factors or, or experiences you had that helped you decide yeah, I mean, I think for me, antitrust was the perfect mix of transactional and litigious work, because whilst I mostly focus on merger control and FDI aspects of antitrust, as opposed to cartel investigations and follow on damages actions, my job is to draft submissions to convince a regulator to clear a transaction. And in that way, there's sort of a lot of advocacy involved. So I get to do all of the difficult and complex thinking and drafting and advocating on behalf of my clients. But then I quickly get to move on to the next thing. So I'm not sort of drowning in the same litigation for three to four years of, of my career, which is something that you sometimes hear horror stories about. Mm, yeah, completely. Um, and Annie, what makes a good lawyer, in your opinion, and especially in your practice area, what are the key skills that you think you need to... I think enthusiasm, good communication skills and sort of being able to translate difficult concepts into something that's easy to understand and organization. You know, I think it goes without saying that it's important to hone your technical skills. But I think where you really add value and what makes you stand out from peers is the service that you provide to clients. And ultimately, this is a service industry and it's really important to sort of never lose, lose sight of that. That's really interesting. I suppose, you know, seeing that from a partner's perspective is something you don't really, well, certainly as a trainer, you don't really get an opportunity to hear that that much. Um, and I suppose for our, for our listeners out there who are either trainers themselves or applying for training contracts, what would you say are the, um, the qualities that make a good trainee? And I suppose on the flip side, uh, what, may, what are sort of the things you don't like trainees to do or, you know, you wish they would do less of? So I think the best trainees are those that are proactive and don't wait to be asked. So I think there's one thing in sort of doing a doing a job that you've been asked or doing a task that you've been asked and uh, and executing it to the best of your ability and to time. But the best trainees are those that take it that step further. And so, you know, when they take notes on a call, they circulate them without being asked. If um, one of the tasks on a call is to set up another meeting, they go ahead and they circulate the calendar invite and they just sort of go out of their way to make life easier, which is fundamentally, I think, the job of any lawyer. And that was something that was um, that I learned very early on in my career. And one of my supervisors said, look, you know, fundamentally, the job of any junior lawyer is to make their their superiors' lives easier, and it, the same goes when you're a senior lawyer, making a partner's life easier. And certainly, my job, I see very much my job as a partner in making my clients' lives easier and making them look good, and I go out of my way to do that. So I think people that sort of have that instinct uh, to to go the extra mile and take that extra step always sort of stand out for me, and I guess. On the flip side, uh, the trainees that don't do so well are the ones that don't seem to learn from their mistakes or do the bare minimum. You know, I think team play is so important in law and we're all in it together and it's important to work with one another to bring out the best in each other. So, um, you know, I always look for for good team players. In relation to the first part you mentioned of sort of being proactive, so if you're, say, for example, a first year trainee who's just started the job, is this a good idea to see how things operate for the first couple of weeks or months and then take the step to, to you know, being proactive and, and being able to follow up with, with various work streams? Or, you know, do you think that's something that you should be doing from day one? 
It's a really good point. And I think one of the one of the great skills of trainees is being able to adapt to the people that they work with and getting to know that person's style and their quirks and the way in which they like to do things. And so I think, you know, observing that and having sort of open dialogue with people about the way in which they like to work, how they like to receive information, whether that's orally in a in a call or a face-to-face or in a short email, bullet point, memo, that sort of thing. It's actually, that's a really important first step to working with anybody. And it's the same conversation, as I say, that I have with my clients in, in how they like me to deliver work product to them and what's most useful um, for them. And so, you know, I think I think that's a really good point. I think it's really important. And Annie, what's the biggest success um, and challenge you faced along the way? Do you have any horror stories for us? And I think the biggest success is just finding, you know, having had a varied and challenging career, and that might sound a little bit trite, but, you know, having a career that I've sort of genuinely enjoyed, I mean, making partners, obviously an added bonus, but fundamentally, I found um, a career that I find really rewarding and fulfilling, which is great. The biggest challenge is definitely still sort of navigating my career as a mother, Um, but horror stories certainly got a number of horror stories where I've made mistakes and I think that's a really important thing that you know um, people don't talk about but actually um, it's sort of crucial to to being able to kind of become a better lawyer is is sort of owning your mistakes and, and being able to move move past them. Laura is famously a marathon and not a sprint and how would you say you've sustained success throughout your career? and sort of kept that motivation to to always improve and you know always bring your A game? So it's an interesting question. And I once heard someone say that partners aren't necessarily the best lawyers, but the people with the most stamina. <laughs> and in some ways they weren't wrong. Um but look, this there's no doubt that this job requires a huge amount of resilience. Um but I think having wonderful colleagues and a supportive team is crucial to any individual success. You know, surrounding yourself with people who are better than you forces you to want to do better. And I've always been really lucky to have surrounded myself with phenomenal people. And you certainly don't get there alone. And is there anything specific just off the back of that, Annie? In terms of your success at such a young age, is there anything that sort of meant that your success happened quicker? Or was it, you know, is there anything that you can say for us that you did that, you know, separated you from you know, just being a good lawyer to being, you know, renowned in the industry and have such high accolades? I think, honestly, being very focused, very easy to think of the time that we spend as lawyers um, away from our families as this sort of huge sacrifice, when actually I saw it as an investment in myself and my career. And actually, I just made it my mission to be more experienced than anybody else at my level so my peers in other firms you know I knew that for every year's worth of work they were doing I was doing too and you know whilst it was a huge amount of hard work it meant that I um, have a lot more experience relative to my sort of qualification level which has just stood me in good stead I think to manage a wider range of issues for a wider range of clients at a much earlier age than, you know, I might otherwise have expected. And so, you know, fundamentally hard work is, is everything. And, you know, you often hear sports people talking about talent versus 
hard work and how you know you can be the most talented footballer in the world but if you don't if you not don't put the hard work in it's sort of meaningless and and really law is is no difference not that I'd start comparing myself to a professional footballer (laughs) (laughs) when we were starting out as trainees um there's often obviously a lot of talk of the long hours and you know, the inevitable stress that can um, that can come with the job. Um, and Annie, we're interested in how you've ma- managed to maintain a healthy balance of life, really. Um, do you have any sort of tips for our listeners? Yeah, I think um, exercise and boundary setting are crucial. It's something that I only learned late in my career. And to be honest, it's still a work in progress. But having firm boundaries to carve out things in life that are important to you is what makes the job sustainable. So before I had children, it was my Friday mornings with my personal trainer and I held them absolutely sacred. And I also used to try and make the theatre once a month, which is one of my other great joys in life. And I, and I remember, you know, I would always warn the people that I was working with a week in advance saying, you know, just to remind you, I've got theatre tickets next Thursday, you know, and I do the same thing in the run up just to remind you um, in two days I've got theatre tickets. And I sort of really go out of my way to make sure that I carved out that time and didn't leave any of my team members in the lurch and and made sure that all of my work was up to date to, to, to make sure that I could go to those things. And now that I have children, it's the time I take in the evenings to put them to bed and read them a bedtime story. And I wouldn't do my job if I couldn't carve out that time. So I think it's really, really important to understand what's most important to you and be sensible about the goals that you try to set yourself. You know, trying to go for dinner every night at six o'clock, you know, is is not necessarily something that is going to be achievable but having something that's tangible and achievable and that you sort of hold sacred um you know makes those late nights in the office that bit less painful so you mentioned stamina have you got any sports that you like doing or is it personal trainer i know you mentioned you're not a footballer (laughs) i'm not a footballer yeah no now it's much more um you know gym going and and frankly whatever i can do around um, my children's schedule so um, we're all a trainee once, um, so we're starting a new tradition on the podcast. Um, and before we let our guests go, we ask them, if there was one thing that you could tell yourself back when you were a trainee, what would it be? I think it would be to be yourself. I think there's a temptation to absorb what's around you when you're more junior, the good and the bad. And actually, this job is most enjoyable when you start building your own brand and realize that there's more than one way of getting the job done. So I would encourage everyone to to just be themselves. That's great advice, Annie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Annie. You've been great. Thank you so much for having me. We hope you enjoyed today's discussion. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we, we really appreciate your support. One of the ways you can support us is by following us on Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. This podcast episode will also be available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you can give us a five-star review by tweeting us, that would be great. And for anyone that leaves us a review, we will read it out on our next episode. If there's anything in particular you would like us to discuss on the podcast, please leave us feedback or send us a message on social media. That's it for today. Stay tuned for the next episode and we'll see you soon.